We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Right. Welcome to BuzzBeat. We are live on YouTube. We are live on Twitter. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. This is Richie, and I'll be joined by Brian today. We do apologize for the uh, lack of content, the inconsistent content. I think we've gone over a week since our last episode. We try to keep at least one episode a week, and sometimes we get in two. I will say it's slightly our fault, Brian, but I think most of the blame is on Bally Sports. Uh, we <laughs> we tried. To, I, I know in my mind, I think it was the Houston game. I said, okay, I'm going to go into tonight. I'm going to watch this game live. I'm going to make sure that Paige can watch both of my kids so that I can get this game going, start up the app, can't get in. So I was planning on doing a post-game pod uh, a handful of days ago, but I just I couldn't because of that, that, that stupid app. Yeah. it. Uh, look, I think it's fine to blame Bally Sports app for a lot of things. If you want to, like, um, you know, the Hornets weren't the only Hornets fans, media weren't the only people that were having trouble, you know, watching their teams. There were several uh, NHL and NBA teams whose games for about, what, five days, four or five days were just not, were not being on. Um, I mean, it was a disaster. The public relations, the way they handled that were um, horrific, too. Um, although Richie, I'm sure you got, you got, you got juiced. I bet you got a real charge when you got that email from Bally sports over the seven weekend. Days, yeah. You were getting comped for seven days of, of their app being, you know, not working. So, but of course it's not going to show up until the next billing cycle. So when you right. get $5 off your, uh, your billing cycle next, uh, next time, um, you know, that'll keep, that'll keep all of us warm at night. You know, the, the extra money from Bally sports with their, their, their generous willingness to, to give back, um, yeah, a week's worth of them just absolutely crapping the bed. Look, we won't have to suffer for this for too much longer. Like this is not built to last. <laughs> like, I don't know yeah. when Bally sports will go away, but it, trust that it will until then we are living in this, uh, a Kafka esque situation in terms of streaming local NBA content very disappointing but let's hope that uh sunnier times are on the horizon 
All right, so let's get into this game recap. And well, first off, too, like this is no knock on like EC or or Dell or, or Ashley. Like it's just oh no yeah. no they're they're no, no. we love the, them. Yes, the the actual broadcast team for the Hornets are exceptional. They're professional broadcasters. They're very fun. When the app wasn't working, I missed not being able to like have them be a part of my my weekly life there for for a few days. So no, it has nothing to do with really anyone on the Hornets end, right? Um, that extends to just like not just the on air talent, but producers, statisticians, etc. Bouncing Bill McGrath, we'll give him a, a shout out here. But uh, but no, 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 no. This is coming from uh, the top down with the uh, what is just you know Diamond Sports, which is just a you know. A failing company. All right. So the Hornets did lose this one on a back-to-back. Uh, they had just beaten the Pacers on Saturday night and then having to come in here to Dallas after Dallas had a rest advantage, losing 124-118. Uh, the Hornets looked pretty good heading into halftime. And in, I guess, for most of the third quarter, there was a little bit of a run towards the end of the third quarter. And I think actually Luca was off the court at that point. And they just used that momentum heading into the fourth quarter. I thought the Hornets did a good job of like battling and, be, and being scrappy and trying to keep the game close in the fourth quarter. And, you know, they did eventually just lose that 15 point lead that they had at one point. And Dallas is a team that is just so offensive heavy. Like they love to live in that 120, 130 point range. And they put up a ton of threes. They weren't making a ton of them. Uh, to begin with, but they made them in timely spots towards the end of the game. It just requires a ton of communication on the Hornets' end, uh, crucial rotations, back end, you know, communication, and and just rotating over to be there to contest. I thought the Hornets tried something. I think you even noted it on Twitter, as did I, in terms of just them being a little bit more aggressive in terms of defending Luca mm-hmm. on high pick and rolls. Whenever he'd pick up his dribble, whenever he'd run a high pick and roll. They'd trap him. They would not really focus on the roll man all that much. They were trying to force Luca into a, a tough shot, a tough pass. And and for the most part, it worked for a couple quarters. Uh, but eventually Dallas just kind of outlasted it. And so that they held their own uh, to a certain point. And uh, I think we got to give credit to Charlotte for at least scrapping their way into a close loss. I know there's no moral victories here, Brian. Yeah, second night of a back-to-back. What probably matters more, and I'm sure we'll get into this soon enough, was that this was Lamella Ball's best game of the regular season by a, a wide margin, a 30-point triple-double. He was relatively efficient shooting the ball in this game after a really cold start. He got hot down the stretch and made a bunch of huge plays. We can get into that more um, early on in this game with both Kyrie Irving pick and roll, Luka Doncic pick and roll. You could see the Hornets having Mark Williams closer, Nick, Nick Richards too, closer up to the level of the screen, like right up to touch. Um, and I thought at the start too, no Terry Rozier. This is the Hornets' first game without Terry after he suffered the injury um, last night uh, against in, against the Pacers. And I just thought, you know, if you're going to play up at the level, if you're going to have your screen defender up at, up up at, up by the screen then you're going to be in rotation and you're going to need guys on the backside of the play to, to rotate around and to make plays to be able to, to be able to like, um, you know, tag the roller and close out on the shooters and get into passing lanes. And I just thought the Hornets with having, you know, no Rozier 
but having Brandon Miller as the, the as the starting two guard plus Gordon Hayward and PJ Washington, all of a sudden you've got um, you know a couple six seven six eight guys. Miller and, and PJ obviously like very impressive wingspans too, and those are the guys flying around. And I, and I thought maybe they got a little bit of shooting luck early on. Um, and then down the stretch, Dallas's corner three point shooters, Tim Hardaway Jr. Grant Williams really made some some big shots when they needed them, either in the half court around Luca pick and rolls or in transition with Luca kicking out. He had a Grant Williams had a huge uh, trail three um, that kind of pushed it out to like a from a one possession to a two or three possession game, something like that. And I also thought Charlotte mixed up its coverages. Like you could see them also switch out onto Luka Doncic, like with Mark Williams. And if they did that, then they were going to do what they did last season when they beat Luka in Dallas, which was switch out and then immediately send that second defender and then try to zone up on the backside. And that was just where I thought like Derek Lively, him in the middle of the floor, reversing the basketball, making plays on the, in those pockets of space. And then those corner shooters of Grant Williams and Tim Hardaway Jr. And, and Kyrie really made, really made some plays Dallas had a stretch, I want to say in the third quarter, when they made their sort of like initial thrust to get back into the game, where Luka was actually on the bench, and the Kyrie Irving-led team, like the ball just started popping around. And and I think even Eric, and like I had it in my notes, but then even Eric and Dell noted it during the broadcast, like the, the pace picked up, the the extra passing picked up, the ball started flipping sides of the court. Um, but it was the Luca pick and roll that really brought them home down the stretch. And I noticed Dallas running an action late in this game too. simple stuff where they're running, you know, double high ball screens for Luca, right? Where they've got two guys in the corners. They've got Luca handling up high and then they have lively. And then one of the other guards or wings, like as the other screener up top for Luca. And what they were doing was having, the guard, whether it was Hardaway Jr. or someone else, be the first guy, the guy that was closest to Luca, and then having Lively be the second screener, right? And they were having the guard in that action actually set and like hold the screen on whomever was guarding Luca. You know, Gordon Hayward, PJ Washington took him a, a lot in this game. And then they were having Lively, instead of setting that second screen for Luca, they were having him slip out and get downhill. And I thought that was a nice counter to some of the different things that Charlotte was trying to do against the pick and roll. It was giving Luca an angle to turn the corner. He hit lively for a dunk, and then he just got to his spots and hit a couple of those tough turning fadeaway shots. One of them was was well def- defended by Hayward. Like nothing you can do but tip your cap. Just, but I thought those I thought those double high screening actions with Luca and the way they were mixing in the having the guard actually hold the screen and then having lively slip out. Like they just ate off that um, when they needed it, sort of like middle of the fourth quarter down the stretch of the, uh, the fourth quarter. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yeah, and, and speaking of the fourth quarter, and you mentioned LaMelo Ball because, you know, he, he got another triple-double, I think his 10th career triple-double here, and he finished with... 30 points, I believe 13 rebounds and 10 assists. And I think for the most part, like leading into the fourth quarter, like I think overall he had a great game, but like leading into the fourth quarter, he was not shooting the ball well. And I think his distribution and his facilitation was definitely on display uh, early in this game. It seems like he always finds a way to get the ball in the smallest of windows. I still think that he does a good job. And you guys have mentioned this on previous episodes, but like, continually driving, uh, whether that's baseline or, or wherever, trying to get to the rim. I feel like he had a couple of and ones or a couple of shots where at least he had some contact going up. And, and you know, the shot wasn't falling until the fourth quarter where I feel like he hit like five three-pointers maybe. Um, and the first one was actually after a, uh, a call that I was not a fan of, uh, the and one Hardy dunk, where I feel like Nick Richards fouled him. It's a terrible call. It was a terrible call. Back. Yeah, and so I think next uh, possession down, he hits his first one and he kind of gets things going. But people went cold in the fourth quarter. Like Gordon Hayward, like up into the fourth quarter, it was the opposite. Like he was hitting everything. And I don't know if he really made a basket in the fourth quarter. DJ yeah, Watt, he, he was rough. Yeah. Gordon, Gordon had Gordon struggled down the stretch, but yeah. he he was excellent. I mean, he was like basically perfect in the first half for them. He like really helped them build the lead. But yeah, it was tough for him down the uh down the stretch. Yeah, so this comment here from Matt Strand, like Lamella was incredible in the fourth. Rest of the team disappeared. So many open shots missed. Really missed Terry Rozier. So yeah, I mean, we could have used a couple of three point makes late in the game, or just really anywhere in general. But Lamella stepped it up when it came to his offensive output, especially with converting from from behind the arc, while everyone else seemed to disappear. Uh, we we can go anywhere you know you want yeah. to with this. If you want to talk more about Lamelo, go ahead. But uh, Hayward and, and Washington, we were texting how good they were throughout the game. Yeah, those are uh, I think amongst the the Buzzbeat guys, you ride the you ride the most for Gordon. I ride for PJ, so I was sort of excited. <laughs> but, uh, I was sort of hope. I mean, it, like it looked like in, I mean PJ got hurt down the stretch. So we should mention that. So oh, hopefully yeah. he's okay. Hopefully that was just a, a cramp issue. Um, I thought PJ played really well in this game, and and certainly Gordon was great in the first half. But just, I would have loved a uh, you know the Hornets getting a win on the second night of a back to back on the road, and those two guys being the the catalyst, and then coming on here and recording a, a post game pod would have been fun for you. But 
I think the math is something to point out in terms of shot chart and where looks were coming from. Dallas in this game go is 14 of 42 from deep. So they only shoot 33%, but tons of volume. The Hornets, meanwhile, under 27% from deep, 8 of 30, only 30 attempts. And if you go further into that, 75% of Dallas's shots were threes or at the rim. And, like, that's what the Luka pick-and-roll machine is supposed to produce. Like, that's – that's I mean, he's obviously incredible, and he can, he can beat any scheme you throw at him. But <clears throat> what that offense is supposed to produce is, like, that shot chart. Like, those are the numbers that they're going for. The Hornets, meanwhile – under 60% of their shots um, were were at the rim or three-pointers, so a lot of mid-range. And look, if you've got an offense that's running through Gordon Hayward and P.J. Washington, you're probably going to get a decent wow. amount of mid-range volume. That used to not be the case with P.J. He was so like dunks or three, dunks and threes heavy his first couple of seasons, but as he's like played on the ball more the last couple of seasons, that's shifted around some. And obviously, like if you're going to run the offense – also through LaMelo Ball and Brandon Miller, you know, there's going to be some mid-range uh, volume there as well. But uh, LaMelo, and to, just to piggy, take this one step further, LaMelo had those 13 assists. Every single assist was for a two-pointer uh, for the Hornets tonight. So you could just see, like, they just never – Charlotte never quite got to, like, the slash and kick that you would want. Um, they couldn't hit shots. Uh, there were some, I mean, some juicy looks. Like I can think, Hayward had an open corner three that Lamelo set up in the fourth quarter. There was, I think, Gordon kicked out to PJ in the on the right corner for a wide open juicy corner three that the PJ could not connect on. Um, so they they had some chances. They missed they missed some good looks from good areas on the on the floor. But like, as Charlotte has all of these like half court issues you know, in terms of the offense right now. And part of that is, like, they're not they're not generating, like, a ton of, like, you know, wide-open slash-and-kick, catch-and-shoot threes. Um, I think there are a lot of reasons to, to, to put on that. Like, they're still getting to the rim, a, a, like, a decent amount. It's just the offense is designed to get a lot of mid-range shots. And in part because they, like, some of their, like, absolute money, like, plays – when things are going sideways or coming out of a timeout that Steve Clifford really likes to dial up, they're those ram or wedge pick and roll actions where they end up having either Hayward or PJ screen for LaMelo. Those guys often are going to like short roll into the mid range. And so you're just, I don't know. Again, there's a lot of stuff that's pushing the shot chart towards the mid range. And and I, I I get that, but that, that is probably something to consider. Like, can you maybe, I don't know. Can you can you find ways to sort of like if you're not going to like organically get to just a ton of threes? Are there some ways you can sort of like scheme it up a little bit more just to get um, some more some more volume? It's easier said than done. Um, I I like really do commend Lamelo for. I mean, he had a tough game last night. Um, I know he had the big defensive stop on Halliburton late in the game, but tough game last night. Um, I thought he passed the ball really well early on in this game. He had a couple gorgeous passes, including one to Hayward cutting out of the corner. Uh, when Dallas went mm-hmm. zone at one point, I think in the second quarter, he had a really, really nice find like through the seams uh, of the defense for a dunk or a layup. 
But then the playmaking down the stretch, like I do think, and Richie, I'd be curious if you've sort of noticed this as well. Like you can tell that teams are really starting to play LaMelo for the step back three. Like if he comes off of a handoff, he comes off of the ball screen, he's in isolation. Like you saw it last night with Indiana, like Nemhard healed. Those guys were really sitting on that. You could see it again tonight with Josh Green, who who had the LaMelo assignment uh, a decent amount in this game, like really playing him for that step, that step back shot. Um, so he's going to have to find ways to sort of counter off that. Like if guys are going to like sort of lunge out and try to take that away, then he's going to have to look to like spin, use his craft, his flexibility, get downhill. And then the last thing I would, I would say in terms of LaMelo, um, I appreciated his like, his effort for trying to get the ball to the rim and touch the paint. And he had a couple nice finishes at the rim through contact. He had a couple nice like kickouts when he got the ball, like a foot in the paint and was able to like spray it out wide to the weak side corner or the slot or the, the wing area. Um, just picking out different guys, depending on whomever was open. And I do think Charlotte is doing uh, Clifford is finding a way to get him like on the edge and going into space. And so you'll see like they do that in a couple of ways. One is those like empty side ball screens with Williams or Richards, but you're also seeing them get a lot of, they're doing this for LaMelo. They're doing this for Hayward. They're doing it for Miller. They were doing it for Rozier. But I think with LaMelo, it's, it's really nice because it can kind of get them into the seams a little bit, but they're clearing out like the right side of the floor and then they're running one of those guys off of a flare screen, like into that, like that open space. And then having the guy who sets the flare screen dive and then having LaMelo, whomever it is, try to like catch, turn the corner and get downhill in, in just another way to sort of like drum up those like empty side looks and like look, get LaMelo in space on the edges. Um, so I don't know, maybe some stuff to work on good, bad or the otherwise, but um Richie, what were your thoughts on – I mean, we can keep it here on, on LaMelo. If not, we can shift around to, to Williams but or Mark Williams or, um, or Brandon Miller who made his first career start. Anything uh, of note that caught your eye? Well, it's, it's funny you mentioned about the step backs with LaMelo. And I, I don't know if I've necessarily like totally noticed that or been keying in on that. But one thing I have noticed uh, early in this season, and, and maybe it's a byproduct of what you're talking about, there's been like a handful of times where LaMelo has almost left his feet and almost got up on like his tippy toes where he's like pump faked it and he <laughs> gives it to the big and immediately he cuts towards the basket. Like I feel like it's a good idea, like good instincts, but a lot of times that pass back from the big either gets stolen or it just the timing is off. So I don't know if that's what you're referring to or maybe that's just a byproduct of what you're talking about where – you know, he at the last second he realizes his shot will be contested and he needs to give it up. But the good thing is he, he follows it right away. And um, and, and you spoke earlier too about the shots that the Hornets are getting in the mid range. You didn't mention Brandon Miller, but he's he's also a guy that we could talk about in the mid range. It is Hayward, it is Washington that are getting those looks. And I think it's you know, first off, it's always been a part of Hayward's game in terms of where they're using him at the elbow. They're using him as a post-up player as well. And then just him, you know, feeling so comfortable turning around and hitting that fadeaway shot on the baseline. But I think with Washington, like in, in this game too, you know, before we go back, go back over to, to Brandon Miller getting his first career start, like his, his floater game, I, I continue to just like be amazed, like how, you know, how much it's progressed and how much, you know, volume we're seeing out of that. 
And it's because he is a closeout beater. It, it's because he can handle the ball. It's because he can play the pick and pop. It's because he can play the pick and roll. You can put him into different you know, spaces, the ram screen, the horns action, where he pops out to the three-point line and, and then drives inside the arc. And, you know, he hits that Eurostep floater. So, you know, I wish both of these guys, both Hayward and Washington, like you like you mentioned earlier, would have finished this game a little bit stronger to kind of put, you know, a bow on their performance. Because when you look back in the fourth quarter, you're like, you know, where were they? But for the most part, like, you know, they are getting a lot of their shots from the mid-range, like you mentioned. Uh, and right now they're comfortable hitting those shots. Uh, you know, at this point, LaMelo, you know, with Rozier out, is the only guy that's going to be hitting three-point shots on a consistent basis. But, <laughs> yeah. <a> problem. <laughs> that's a problem. <laughs> that's a problem. So, yeah, I think Brandon Miller getting his first career start. I, I was excited to see that. I think eventually, you know, he will get to that point to where he is a starter. Uh, he hit a couple of mid-range shots. He's just very smooth, and he operates so patiently. Like, he doesn't look like a rookie out there. And his in-between game is just very smooth. It feels slow at time. He he does a good job, like Hayward, of uh, keeping his defender on the back and and try to use that sidestep to create space. I think his three-point shot has been a little bit up and down, especially uh, to start this season. But I think for a rookie, when you watch him play, he's so calculated and he's so patient. It's not something that you would have expected out of out of anyone, really, but uh, especially a rookie. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this a bunch now, and I know when when Darian from Trust the Buzz, when he and I recorded a few weeks ago, one of the things we talked about was just like the malleability of of Miller. Um, like you can you can have him in a role tonight where at some on some possessions he's the fourth or fifth option. You know, he's just gonna spot up and crash the glass. Um, they're going to give him, you know, feels like once or twice a game he's going to get like a pick and roll possession. Um, but then tonight, I thought uh, he didn't make a ton of them. There was one on like a. Let me, let me take a step back. They had a couple like design plays to get him like movement type looks. Mm-hmm. And to that hit, there was one uh, on a baseline out of bounds play where I think Hayward came off staggered screens, and then Miller, who set one of the staggereds, then like followed and came off, like curled off another screen. Hayward passed it to him. Miller hit like a sort of like mid-range catch and shoot, you know, pin down shot. Um, There was an after timeout play in the second half to Horn set where I think it was LaMelo or it was Maldon actually like entered the ball to Richards at the elbow. Um, And uh, Miller comes up from the other elbow. He sets a, a back screen for Maldon, and then he immediately goes into a handoff action with Richards, takes the handoff. He could look to catch and shoot on that. Like one day you'd like you'd love for him to be able to like receive that out beyond the arc and then like immediately turn and burn, just like have the footwork down pat where he can let that thing fly. Because if he starts hitting that, then it opens up the drives. It opens up, you know, teams having to put two on the ball and him him being able to hit the five as that player slips downhill. But he ended up catching, took his time. Richards flipped the screen, and then uh, Miller dribbled left and got to like a little like nail elbow pull up too. You know, I don't, I, I'd have to double check the numbers. He was not shooting like a great percentage from the mid range um, so far this season. But like he has won some in the mid range this season. And Richie, you, we've talked about this. Like 
that's just an area right now where, where Miller's going to have to be good. Like he's going to have to have some wins there. Um, and, and ultimately he's going to have to become like a better shooter on the, on, on pull-ups and, you know, catch and shoot pin down looks in that mid range area, especially like, you know, like Terry Rozier gets a lot of those looks now. Hayward gets some of them too. Um, but like one day the hope is that that will be the province of Miller. And, and so he's just going to have to be, you know, dynamic on that type of stuff. But I, I've been like, I think he's played, played well. I thought he had a couple of nice defensive possessions on Luca tonight when he got switched out or cross matched. Um, and then the last thing I would just touch on very quickly, cause I, I think we should hit the center rotation. Williams and Richards had a good game tonight again. Um, and some people are talking about that in the, in the comments here, but like I know this is this is going to be a random poll on my part, but Lamelo and PJ have gotten so good at that one-four pick and roll set where like PJ just slips in the space and he gets to that runner in the mm-hmm. mid-range area. Like, is there another team in the NBA that hits more like one-four pick and roll? without having a stretch five on the court than the Hornets. <laughs> like, I, I know, like, I know I'm, I'm, I'm setting up the parameters here to be very, like, very niche in terms of, you know, teams and personnel that could fit this. But, like, the Hornets are, with under Clifford, they always have a center in the dunker spot. Like, yeah, it's I, always going to be... They just put him in the dunker spot. And I feel like Nick Nick does a good job of timing his cuts in, in terms of, like, yeah, trying to receive sure. that pass. But I, I will sure. say, too, like, I trust Mark Williams' hands better than Nick Richards' hands. And so when they're having to kind of make that catch in a tight space around the dunker spot or, you know, or just in pick and roll in general, I feel like Nick Richards loses that ball a little bit more. Are you trying to suggest that maybe PJ Washington should be playing five more? No, I mean, I think at this point, like that. That's out the window. Yeah. Just like until there's a different coach, like it's just not going to happen. And like, I mean, I ultimately, like, I think PJ playing the majority of his minutes at the four is good. And there was, like, a time in his career where, like, that was slanted in the other direction. Like, he was playing so much small ball five. He was just a pick-and-pop guy. Like, generally, I think his usage has been better under Steve Clifford than it was under James Borrego. There's a a lot of factors that go into that. That's not just, like, those two coaches being the difference. But in terms of, like, coaching style – I think PJ has like found a nice home as like a as a four, like a playmaking four that can like score in different areas of the court, not just be like a space small ball five. But it you know it, there's some nights where it would be nice to see a little bit more of that, even including like the Brooklyn game. I mean the the Nets were you know they're playing small basically the entire game with Claxton hurt, and I kept waiting for Charlotte to just be like all right let's go small, and I, I don't think they play out. I, I'd have to double check, but I don't think they played any uh, small ball five with, with PJ at, at center. Okay. And that, that sort of seemed like a – or maybe they shifted at some point, but it was like late in the game. I think that's actually correct now that I'm thinking about it. I think they eventually shifted to that. And, I mean, look, Cliff's going to – I like I don't – Cliff is betting that like Charlotte's size would win out, and he he's probably right some nights in terms of that. But just in that Brooklyn game specifically, they had the – Charlotte spread, slash and kick, opening things up on the pick and pop. And, like, that's really the, – the pick and pop continues to be, like, an action that's just giving the Hornets trouble. And, like, it's hard to guard. But 
they want to play, you know, they want Williams in the drop or some nights closer to the level. Yeah. And you're not going to get the pick and pop with Dallas because it's lively and um, and, and Dwight Powell who, who are there to, to roll and dive. But just what Brooklyn did against them, there was another game. There was a preseason game against the Celtics where it was an issue. <laughs> There's one other regular season game. And, like, sometimes I my thought would be, like, well, could you just have P.J. out there at five and try to, like, switch some more of this stuff, especially – in the Rozier-less games when you've got more size with Miller. And, yeah, also, with just quick salute, uh, Bryce McGowan's got his first uh, first run of the season. Didn't play all that much, but I thought his defense was decent tonight, actually, in, in a couple of, like, flashbulb moments. But just good to see Bryce on the court. They're, like, obviously going to need to try to get something from him for, as, for however long, you know, Rozier is out for, especially. How did you mention Bryce McGowan's, but you didn't mention Ish Smith getting his debut? That's as well. true. That's a good, fair, fair. I don't look. I don't mean to to rob Ish of uh, <laughs> any shine. Those three minutes and nineteen seconds that was pristine basketball tonight from uh, from Ish, who man going down the going down the uh, the box score for Ish was not a. Uh, <laughs> you see, you see a three. You see a three. That's the biggest number you see, and that's the personal fouls. Fouls, yeah, <laughs> yeah, not great. He had one turnover, and then he didn't record any other statistics. So, <laughs> right, right, uh, not not great for Ish. But I mean, look, they're gonna need. They're probably gonna need his ball handling and his pace. Um, you know, again, at times, just it's man, it really is crazy how starved they are for like playmaking in the backcourt. Who knows? I know the swarm season's going to be starting up in like a, what, like a week and a half here in terms of gameplay. But, you know, we'll see if, if, if someone like, you know, Nick Smith Jr. or if, if and when James Booknight uh, is healthy, um, they just, they need some, they need some help. They need some playmaking juiced out of, out of that backcourt um, because there's just going to be a lot on LaMelo and Gordon Hayward. Um you know, for the foreseeable future, even when Rozier gets back, right? Like those guys right. still have a ton of strain on them. I think that's all I got in terms of like the, the backcourt room for the, uh, the Hornets at the moment. Last thought on this game. Um, it's not something that like is particular to this game, but it's just a thought that I had while having uh, my watching session of this game live, which I don't give any live games with the, with the baby now, but um <laughs> So Gordon Hayward, you know, is playing awesome. And I think you guys might have been talking about this in the text thread prior about, you know, him on an expiring contract and, and what we're going to do with him. I know it's so far down the road to think about this, but it's not so far down the road if you're feeling like maybe trading him is the way to do this. Now, obviously, you got to deal with the contract and matching the numbers and that could be difficult at times. Uh, but I was at practice uh, the other day and and talking to the people at um, the Hornets practice and, and just kind of getting a feel of like, you know, what Hayward is, is thinking. I know that he likes the city of Charlotte. His family is settling down. So could he potentially take a reasonable discount to stay here in Charlotte and be a guy that mentors uh, Brandon Miller? Just kind of slowly kind of pass the torch to him and, and maybe he's a guy that, you know, might age a little bit better being a guy that comes off the bench maybe next year or wherever, whenever it actually occurs. So do you think there is a benefit in bringing this guy back or do you think there's more benefit in kind of seeking out a trade with this guy? Also knowing that it might be hard to kind of match the salaries. Yeah. I mean, I think you've got to at least like do your due diligence for him in terms of like 
seeing if there is any sort of market. I mean, if you can get something for him, it's probably hard to hard to pass up on something like that, just in terms of like a draft asset or like a young player. Right. Um, it's as as you mentioned, it's he is a, a big contract number. That, that's tough to move. Um, so it, especially for an expiring, like I, it's hard to see like two that there being like that robust of a market for it. But he's playing very well, and like as long as he stays healthy, I, I you know he's a really good player and someone that can play in clutch minutes. He's got good size. He can pass, shoot, like post up. Like he his offensive game is like built for the postseason. You know. Uh, passing tough buckets, all that type of stuff. So maybe that maybe there will be some demand for him. Um, but I, it just feels like the the number um, and just the state of the contract. It, it's that's a tough thing to swing. And who knows? Like maybe the Hornets are, you know, somehow in contention for a play-in spot. You know, uh, so you know they would need uh, Hayward obviously on the roster. I don't necessarily foresee that happening, but I, I guess it's. Not totally out of the question. Um, as far as like bringing him back, I mean, of course, I think there's value to that. Yeah. Like, I think he's a, I think he'd be a, a, a great player for for Miller to study and and learn from, you know, and work with. And like we for several years now, Richie, we've talked about this with Lee with Spencer, um, and I'm sure most people that follow the team, cover the team, like understand this as well. Like when Hayward is healthy, he's quite good. Um, You know, probably not like a, or certainly not like a max contract type talent. And um, so you'd have to figure out like number, the, the, the number that works for him and works for you in the years, like all that type of stuff. But he absolutely has a game that like, ages well yeah it feels like he's stable right now Mm -hmm. because he's never not going to be six eight with like a good shot guy who can who's like strong and can pass um and you know knock on wood he's healthy and is moving well right now like he's he has some still can like get above the rim for finishes um you see him getting a stance and guard sometimes so it's not like he's just totally like diminished as an athlete but he just does have a game who if healthy it does feel like he could still be very good and he's scalable because he can shoot and pass and has good size too. So like you can dial up his usage on certain nights and then other nights have him be more of like a secondary guy. So yes, I could, I could absolutely see that. And uh, lastly, like he mentioned in the interview with you, Richie, that you did a couple weeks ago that he would be okay with coming off the bench, right? Like this season he was, he was cool with that. So I I don't know why that would shift uh, going forward. So Again, I think they'd have to explore the market, see what's there for him as a trade chip. Um, if you could get something for him, I, I think you got to grab that, grab whatever that value is. If not, I'm not opposed to to, to bringing him back, just given like the fact that he's still good <laughs> and like he fits on the roster, and like yeah, maybe he'd be a nice guy for for uh, in terms of like mentoring uh, Brandon Miller too. It's all going to come down to the uh, the price, the value, and then obviously the con- the potential contract on, on returning. But I agree with almost everything that you just said there. So, okay, the Hornets next three of five games actually are in the in season tournament 
group stage, Brian. <laughs> Let's go, baby. Courts, those crazy looking courts. But yeah, they play the Wizards on back-to-back, not back-to-back nights, but back-to-back games. Wednesday is not the uh, in-season tournament, but the one in Friday uh, in D.C., begins yeah. the Hornets group stage. So that's right. I wonder if there's going to be any extra, you know, extra motivation for the Hornets to come out <laughs> and play a little bit better. Uh, at least they get to lead off with the easiest team in the group. Maybe they can get a win under their belt and pick up some momentum. <laughs> yeah, fingers. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Look, Hey, it's a uh, tournament time. It's exciting. I think like, I like, I mean, we've, we've discussed it on the pod. Like I'm, I'm reasonably excited yeah. for it. Like, you know, I think it's, I think it's going to be kind of cool. I don't think the. I mean, I don't think the Hornets are going to make much noise in it, but like, I still think it's going to be kind of cool. And um, we'll just say, like, I hope I haven't seen if there's been. I haven't like been online since the game ended, but if there is any update on PJ, like that's definitely going to be something to monitor. And let's not forget too, Lamelo went down pretty hard and looked like he may have like tweaked his ankle with a few minutes yeah. left in the fourth quarter too. Hornets have two full days off, which is good, but um, in the regular season, there's no real breaks. Like, this stuff is, like, it's just going to be boom. Like, you're going to be playing three, four games every week, you know? Like, that's just how it's going to go. So, hopefully those guys are okay um, because they're obviously huge pieces for the, the Hornets moving uh, moving forward if they're going to make any noise this season. All right. We will go ahead and wrap up here. The Hornets scrapped out a game here in which they did lose. They probably played good for 70% of the game, uh, ups and downs. Uh, Dallas just had too much firepower in the end. As always, please continue to support our podcast, share our podcast with friends, review us and rate us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Yeah. Wanted to thank Brian and everyone else joining on YouTube, and we will see you guys next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.